thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. Uh, today we have filmmaker Joseph Vogley. Um, Joseph, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi, everybody. I'm Joseph Vogley of Perfect Ratio Films. I'm the co-writer, the director, and the creator of the uh, slasher spectacular sensation Specimen 6. Um, I've also directed uh, several other shorts. Another, uh, I have a couple upcoming things uh, I'll tell you all a little bit about. Um, generally, I'm just a big movie fan, and I love uh, watching movies and making movies. That's who I am. All right. Now, like I said, you earlier today, um, you'd actually sent me the, the 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 code a little while ago, but I've I've just been so busy with stuff that I finally was able to sit down oh, yeah. and kind of watch it today. Um, I watched Bestman six. Um, that is, um, man, you guys put a lot into that. That's, 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 uh, yes. the, I read, uh, I believe if, if IMDB is right, took over a year. Uh, it did take over a year from, uh, beginning of, uh, casting and writing. And we filmed all year long up until, um, I taught myself how to edit. And then finally, uh, it was done. So yeah, just about a year from uh, from you know feet to feet to head. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's um, it has w- one linear story, and then but each it, but it's connected by um, was, was it six shorts? So it was six shorts. Yeah, six, six shorts that make one cohesive movie. Um, and man, you you just went just all out man it goes the it goes the gambit on stuff right there <laughs> yeah the yeah, i try to put everything in the kitchen sink in there yeah it was uh my one thing well i wanted to uh kind of throw out all of my ideas as far as slasher films go um but it's not really the way my mind works is just to dump a regular old slasher film out there and so each one of the stories was kind of exploring the different parts of the slasher genre and how I wanted to kind of attack it and um I also wanted to kind of tell a more unique story and so that's what I was uh what my what I attempt, attempted to do and so yeah over the course of a year I was continually writing and directing and casting and writing again and directing again and so yeah it was a crazy year um but we finally got it done all, all in the end so that was pretty good now um you you're you both direct and act in this movie yes i do uh, so you know there's there's always that um but you get to play a part that another person <laughs> gets to play at the exact same time essentially in the in the same short right in um i think it's the third one or the fourth one you have two people credited as so yes. it's both you and and uh uh uh, yeah, AJ Perez yeah, as AJ uh, Specimen Perez, yeah. Six. Yep. yep. So that was, uh, well, see, what happens there is my character is not Specimen Six. You can actually call my character more like, I mean, he has his name Travis Smith, but he's more like Specimen One. And so he's the guy that ends up, uh, he's he's the uh, the seed if you will, he's got the evil in him in the in the high doses that uh, Marissa Gray needs to get to. And so I'm simply uh, the first phase of her plan on, on building the the most evil uh, slasher killer of all time. So, yeah. Yeah. Though I do play Specimen 6 later on in the movie, just 
which means it's me with the mask on. So that does end up happening, but that's because AJ couldn't be there at certain times. So I just had to get the movie done. So <laughs> now, you know, I, I, I know a bunch of other, uh, you want to call them no budget, micro budget, super low budget um, directors out there. And um, it's funny. Cause you know, you got to rely a lot on friends, uh, oh, yeah. a lot on people letting you film, or just filming and then hoping for the best that nobody catches you there filming. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, did, it, did you, do you have like, uh, do you guys have certain locations that you just, you know, this is my go-to locations or, you know, like you just film at your house or like on your property or like your friend's property or anything like that? That's a really good question. So specimen six I actually filmed kind of all over the place. So um, I think there was aspects of about, two or three of the shorts were about three of the shorts that I filmed at different parts of my house. And so there's a part in the psychic that you see the living room and the kitchen. And then there's a part in the, in the very first one that you see me and I'm filming in the front yard. And then I also go and I film over at my friend's house, which is about half a mile from here. And then I film a couple segments out in the garage and I film uh other parts of specimen six i went to north seattle to film with tanya atomic and uh also over my friend shauna's house which is about five miles from here and a lot of the wood stuff uh we filmed out there so we filmed everywhere i could if there was a a place i could get to easily enough um i would film there and sometimes it had to be a little sneaky too so people didn't always know i was filming places yeah oh it's uh it it you got to be a you know what they call it guerrilla filmmaking you got to get out oh, yeah. there and, and uh hide and film what you can and then hurry up and get out of there so um now did you have any inspirations for this because this one it, it seems like you had some like jason some maybe some reanimator um some you know different, different- i was pulling in all over yeah, I was pulling all over the place as far as my uh, my film catalog, as far as what's in my brain, as well as kind of my my literary background as well. Um, so uh, I would say whenever I was talking to people and trying to get people motivated and like, hey, do you want to be in my movie? I'd always like, they'd ask what it's about. It's like, well, it's kind of like one part Frankenstein, one part Pulp Fiction, one part Friday the 13th, you know, and I was just. Or sometimes I just like talk out of my ass and I just come out with whatever else that what came out of my mouth at the time. But uh, there's all sorts of things that I was going there. I mean, mostly it was like a lot of Friday the 13th because that's my that's my thing. I've always loved Friday the 13th. Um, I have two of the Blu-ray box sets. I got tons of posters. I got a bunch of the DVDs. Um, it's just, you know, I've read some of the books, all everything I can get my hands on. I've always loved Friday the 13th. And so this was like, my homage or my love letter to slashers in general. Um, so I would pull a little bit from like Nightmare on Elm Street too. So there's a part where we deal with dreams and everything like that in the Specimen Six's Mastery over Dreams. Well, I just, I wanted to dip my toe a little bit in that. And so that can be like, you know, what you can think of is as my homage to Nightmare on Elm Street as well. Um, but I love the Halloween films. I love all the great slasher films and yeah, Puppet Master, all the Charles Band films um everything that you can think of it's just like when i sit down to write it was just whatever came to mind and whatever you know movie perhaps i had been thinking about that day and then i ended up putting that out onto the page and then i had just lots of other you know inspirations as well um 
uh, a lot of Joe Sherlock films uh, inspired Specimen 6 as well. They seem very different than Joe Sherlock films, but uh, you'll see one or two things, maybe a close up on like on a big pair of boobs. That would probably be homage to Joe Sherlock films right there. Yeah. So, yeah. There's 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 a great shot. This is boobs. Just pause. That's pause, yeah. pause, and then pull away. <laughs> That's my forte. That's what I love to see on the screen. Yep. You you know what people like, man. It's, yeah. it's horror movies is gore and boobs. Yep, blood, boobs, and beasts. Yep, that's right. Um, now the other one was was you sent me the link to your short film, and I'm not gonna lie. I think I had the exact talk with my wife at one point when you're like, she's like, "Well, what's this thing, and why is it in my garage?" Yeah. <laughs> See, I pull a lot from real life. My wife said that to me too. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I've had a lot of things in my other films too, where I'm like, uh, and then my wife watches it and she'll look at me and like, really? I'm like, yeah, you said that to me. I know you remember that. So yeah, I pull from all over the place. That, that's, that's great. Um, now, like you said, you're inspired by, you know, the classic slashers and stuff like this. And I think that that specimen six is a great, like, origin to give the um your slasher the you know specimen six the you know because every slasher kind of has that weird you know jason you know was just a dude then he was you know well first it was his mom then it was a dude then it was a you know the deformed uh dude was just super strong then you got the undead version and then you got the we regenerate and then you got the See, this kind of explains a lot of how your guy is the way he is. It's like the, like the, you know, quote unquote, you know, for a comic book is, is it's the origin issue. It's the. Exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Explains- and I wanted it to be like that too. I wanted it to feel like, so we have that, that chapter sinister mysteries that takes place about 20 years or so after the first kind of uh, segment that we have there. And uh, I wanted there to be this, more epic scope and you can't tell really an epic slasher film within just one night of slashing around people or anything like that so you have to take it and you have to tear it apart and pull it across the decades and uh so uh just letting this out there now we are working on uh several other specimen six films uh so that i can continue to explore those other ideas yeah yeah um now you know if you can tell me tell me if you want to tell me what kind of budget did you work for with with this movie you know uh it was about um after everything was said and done somewhere between 1700 to 2000 dollars. it was just like it was mostly like just buying fake blood and feeding my actors <laughs> so every time i'd have people show up i had to make sure that i was feeding them decent food and making sure i was spending a lot of money on fake blood to cover them with all that fake blood so yeah and i cover a lot of people with fake blood in that movie yeah. yes you do um now do you have a recipe for fake blood or do you just buy it in bulk no 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 i got a recipe yeah well well i'll tell you what i have had other times where i've been lucky to get like somebody says here's my theatrical blood thing i don't know what i'm going to do with it i'm like i know what i'll do with it and so i'll take it but uh generally if i am going to make fake blood it's uh the same fake blood that uh, a lot of us filmmakers make um so you use regular caro syrup and then you want uh, red and blue food coloring. And you want lots and lots of the red food coloring and only a tiny little bit of the blue. But to make it, give it more of a uh, a realistic tint, you want to put some chocolate syrup in there. 
So you dash that in there and it gives it kind of a rusty irony sort of thing that blood has. And then uh, there's different times where you want different sorts of how the blood flows and everything. So you can add a little water here or there um, to make it flow in different ways. So, uh, so yeah, that's my general go-to, but I've been, uh, occasionally I get people that give me like this cool theatrical blood or something. I had a friend that worked over at this, that does work over at a uh, nursing uh, department at the school. And they have, for some reason, jugs of this fake synthetic blood and it looks real and they use it for different practices with dolls and stuff like that the nurses do and <coughs> operating i don't know whatever the fuck and um she said hey i got these two giant gallons of this stuff do you want it i'm like yeah i'll use that and we use a good gallon and a half of just that stuff alone in specimen six i got covered in a lot of in it as well yeah yeah that's cool it's uh it's funny because i learned how to make uh fake blood back in high school probably or if not mm. junior high and uh it got me in a lot of trouble um <laughs> to be honest. and uh almost the exact same except for i put um powdered sugar in it because it oh. looked like it was starting to coagulate like it you know like the the chunks and blood when it oh yeah. yeah in it still to this day if i make fake blood i just put a bit of powdered sugar in it and shake the crap out of it and uh, I use, um, I put a touch of yellow in it to give it that, with the, you, you put blue, I put a touch of yellow and blue to give it that greenish. Oh, interesting. And I would shake it up and it would, when you pour it out, it looked like, like partially coagulated blood. So there you go. There, that's yeah, that's pretty, I'll have to remember that. Way. That sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because I've had to use all sorts of, like when we show the guts and everything, that blood's a little bit different. You know how it is. You always got to change up just a little bit depending on the kill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, I, I, I talked to you uh, when I was messaging you earlier today because uh, the short film you did, definitely Lovecraftian, definitely. Mm. Um, and that that's a um, big genre. I love Lovecraft. Uh, I know that's, uh, I think everybody does, but oh, yeah. <laughs> um, is, is, do you want to work in love with the, like the Lovecraftian type mythos, lore? Uh, I do. Again. Yeah, I do. I would like that. I've, I've got, I'm constantly writing different scripts and writing down different ideas. So I probably, I have a few other scripts and, and other stuff sitting around here that do delve into Lovecraftian stuff. Um, <clears throat> there are aspects about the sequels of Specimen 6 that we bring in a little bit of Lovecraftian lore as well. Uh, when it came to the perfect ratio, which I showed you, that's actually yeah. coming out sometime this before. I don't know, in the next few months or so, is coming out in a film called Reign of Vibrant Screams through uh, Dark Park Films. Uh, that's John Ward's uh, uh, company, and he's doing a, a couple anthologies called Reign of Vibrant Screams. So I have uh, my short that's in it, So, and Joe Sherlock has one and a few other people. And so basically, uh, he what came about that was like he just posted on facebook and said hey everybody um i want to do this lovecraftian cosmic horror sort of thing and any of you filmmakers want to contribute to it and so I'm, oh, well i've never done anything like that before so i sat down and i wrote the script with a couple friends uh well i wrote the first draft and then i had a couple friends kind of help me work through about six more drafts and then we finally shot it and so yeah it took a while from from <clears throat> ass to tea kettle i guess to to get that one finished up but uh yeah i was very happy with how it how it turned out so i would love to work in more lovecraftian area i'm actually um 
I'm do I have a uh, audio play coming out, and I know it's not exactly Lovecraftian, but I have an audio play that's very tied in with the King in Yellow. So that'll be coming out in a couple months. Cool, cool, cool. Now, um, I, I was I asked this to everybody. Um, money is no object. Who are you hiring for a movie? Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, yeah. number one. He'd be my guy to go to. That's cool. Okay. Um, other one. If you could work in another genre, if you could make another different type of genre movie, what are you making? I want to make a Hallmark Christmas movie. I feel, you know, I really like Christmas. And I think that'd be, I've watched a lot of those because I just like watching movies. And I'll watch those because I don't have to use my brain whatsoever. And um, I think it would be really easy to make one um, because all they, they do is they turn on every single light so they shine every single light on every single corner of the actor, and then they shoot their master with two close-ups uh, with maybe one or two other angles here or there if they want to be real fancy. But uh, I think that's where the real bread and butter is in uh, making TV movies. So I think I could, you know, do a bang-up job doing that. So I'd love to make, yeah, Hallmark Christmas movies. And and they all have the same plot. The the the, yeah. the girl that doesn't get ha- the, that doesn't really get ha- uh, Christmas anymore. Yeah. The the she comes back home to her original hometown and she runs into the guy, her old boyfriend he, or something. Yeah. Yep. And then he has to show her the meaning of Christmas. Yeah. That is every Hallmark Christmas. Movie. That's all you got to do. It's just like man, that seems like just just cheese on bread right there. You don't need to really you know mess with the wheel. That's so. not, um, it's funny because that like, like big time directors will film like TV shows and they're like, man, it's easiest thing you ever do. And especially if you can work for, you know, go in there and shoot a movie and knock it out in 12 days. And oh yeah, and oh, I could do it in way less. Give me four days and give me a budget. I'll take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so who are you hiring for your, for your, uh, uh, uh Hallmark Christmas movie? My Hallmark Christmas movie, uh, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably still go back to Bruce Campbell because I'd love to see him in that. He's doing you know? a Christmas movie. For Is Hallmark. it? Oh no, I saw that. Yeah, the uh, the trailer for that. Uh, what is Black Friday or something like no, that? No, that was no, awesome. No, Black Friday's a horror movie. He's doing a like legit he's doing an actual movie. Christmas movie. Yeah, oh, he's, he's doing a Hallmark. Movie, um, him and like his brother, and I can't remember who his brother is. And uh, they're they're going. This is bad. I'm gonna hurry up. And try to bring this up here um that they were like musicians back in the day oh (laughs) and it goes from there so i'm hold on a second here really stupid phone (laughs) it's like nope autocorrect all right upcoming bruce campbell christmas movie one december night Oh, one December night. Okay, I'm gonna put that in the brain bank. I like that. And it's uh, awesome. Peter Gallagher is in it, and <laughs> Bruce Campbell, and Brett Dalton, and let's see if there's any other people in here that people would know. Andrew Durand, Durand, Durand. Uh, oh, oh, oh! Dee Dee Khan is in it. Uh, <laughs> It's got some big name people, I guess. That if you were alive in the seventies and eighties, you'd yeah, right. Yeah, that's where you know I'd populate my movie with the same, you know, in the seventies and eighties actors, you know, because <laughs> you know what they're capable of, and they'll just show up and they just want to get the paycheck and go too. Oh yeah, but, yeah, this sounds great. I, I think that's that's one of the shames is is that there were so many good actors out there that just kind of get thrown along the wayside because they're you know 
they were great in the 80s. They were great maybe in the late 70s. And they're getting a little yeah. up there in age, but, you know, I'm like, these guys are still good, man. Put them in a movie. So I think, you know, I would do that. And um, if, if as far as other like genres go, <clears throat> I love the camping genre in general, you know, not just Friday the 13th, but I love to do like a, one of the sequels to Meatballs or something. That would be fantastic. They've done four Meatballs sequels. I would love to do number five. That's what I really like to do. That's my dream job. Do meatballs movie? Yeah, meatballs five. That's it. I got a million ideas for it. <laughs> that that you know what? I, I had forgotten about meatballs till the other day when I was like going through like Amazon Prime and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Meatballs <laughs> part two is the best. Yeah. Yeah, part two with Meathead is the best. It's the best yeah. film. It's one of my favorite films. Yeah. Yeah. But um, all right, you know, what's you know, you love Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. you love you can't make a Friday Thirteenth movie though. That's, that's no, not with the okay. Yeah, if you could if you make a horror movie with one of the classics, you know, who, what, 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 uh, which one are you going for? Oh, that's a good question. With one of the classics uh, from the eighties or from just any old time. Anytime you can go from from you know Jigsaw back to Dracula, if you want. Oh, okay. I guess Jigsaw would probably be the newest one, I guess. Closest. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to make a Saw film, to be honest. Um, let's see. I'd probably go back and make a sequel to something. Um, let's see. What would it be? I would love to make a sequel to 19... Uh, maybe the, you know, the Brain That Wouldn't Die. I would love to do a sequel to that film. Not a remake. Everybody wants to do remakes of these classic films. I would pick up the tatters and I would make a remake of the brain that wouldn't die. You know, something like that. So, uh, I'm I'm weird. Mine mine would have been. Uh, uh, actually, I wrote a treatment for uh, a Tomb of the Blind Dead movie. See, something like that. You know, maybe I'll change it. I want to do a cannibal Holocaust film. That's what I want to do. There you go. Yeah. Do a do a cinema. Yeah, Tombs of the Blind Dead is beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, you just called it, so you're the one that's got to make it now, though. So. I I uh, did a treatment for it, sent it off. Um, the 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 producers loved it, um, but yeah. they didn't think that a Blind Dead it was too old of a uh, um, IP. The concept, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think uh, I just saw a trailer maybe a year ago that they came out with another updated sequel to it um yeah yeah, and that looked pretty interesting kind of but it was like post-apocalyptic tombs of the blind dead or some shit so i was like i don't know maybe it works i don't know maybe mine uh kind of picked up um somewhat um you were gonna find out that the 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 actual uh uh because you know we always have that that myth that the templars made it to america at one point because we find it and they did so there are already blind dead in the united states oh and uh, i like that i had it connected to the roanoke colony i had it connected that's to cool all, all this stuff and they're like j- the amount the budget that i would have needed to you know especially because they would have had to acquire the ip at the time to bring it in uh they just said it's it's not something that they would want to touch so i'm like yeah okay just change the name of this and that and still make it you know it doesn't have to be that particular ip 
Yep. I mean, but it yep. sells. I mean, if you said it was Tombs of Blind Dead, this and that, you'd be able to sell it in other markets. But, you know, change it. Make it anyway. Fuck them. Hey, maybe I could find somebody over in Europe that would want to make it because I think oh, those are yeah. still big over in Europe. So. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, like I've said earlier, uh, and I know a lot of other independent filmmakers, uh, you work a lot with friends. Um, you gotta, you gotta, yep. is that, is, you know, do you have like go-to people that you just, you know, you just like, Hey, you know, Oh yeah. You said AJ, AJ, we're making a movie. You in? Yeah. Um, get people. Like yeah. That? Um, you know, I badger a lot of my friends. So, uh, Ruby Solace that played Marissa Gray, uh, she is uh, a lead in a lot of the stuff that I do. And I know that I'd be like, Hey, I'm doing this project. Uh, it's going to be for this anthology for a friend. And do you mind doing a shower scene? And then she's usually like cool to go with that. So, but also we really have a really good uh, shorthand working uh, relationship when it comes to being on set. And yeah, I got all, you know, all my friends that I'm just super comfortable with. Um, not all my friends want to be in my movies, but you know, a good, a good portion of them I'll, I'll, I can call up and like, Hey, you free this weekend. And generally they'll say, yes. I'm like, I'll give you, you know, tons of food. And as long as you hit your mark, you can drink as much as you want. <laughs> now do you have that one friend that volunteers all the time but you're like nah i don't I, no i'm good i'm good, I'm good. We're good. <laughs> yeah <laughs> a couple yeah well no, yeah 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 i suppose you're like yeah that's okay it's okay guy i know yeah so it's um now did you run into any problems uh with trying to film during the what we're still going through did you just or did you ever have did you have to like uh put stuff yeah on the back burner well you know i'm kind of um that kind of happened it all started hitting while i was just finishing up stuff with specimen six and so i still had a couple scenes and a couple pickups here or there i needed to get done and so i was doing things in my backyard with just me to finish up stuff luckily i had finished all principle on everything and so i i still had a you know a, a few people that i would hang out with um that were comfortable around each other so uh the gal that plays um aphrodite in the film uh we were still hanging out and so i said i gotta get this scene because the thing that happened with the um what do i call it uh the unleashed part or unbound mm -hmm. um the thing that happened was I had actually filmed a completely different script to that. Um, so the hell part was always there, but originally uh, we had this whole idea where like a monster hunter was showing up to this, like, and he would go and fight off specimen six and then send specimen six to hell and stuff. And we fought a bunch of that stuff, but because of like rain and things like that, none of the footage was good. And so I had to come up with a different idea. And so that's when I was like, I got to figure something out. And so, um, so yeah, uh, because everything broke down, I had to still film a few scenes. I was just really dead set on making this, like getting it done. And I didn't want to put things on pause. And I was just like, I got to get these last few things in there. Because by the time that I ended up finishing that and then sitting down and teaching myself how to edit and finally getting everything done, um, I had time to reflect and uh and then um after about you know three weeks i went i was going crazy and i just needed to make something else so i was filming tons of shit just myself in my backyard during a lot of that time um because i don't know i i can't stop making movies so now do you ever find yourself writing a script 
and then going back and rereading it and going, man, I, I just can't film this. This is too big or, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of different ideas where, so, you know, I do a lot of these audio plays too. I'm actually um, working on my fifth audio play. We've just recorded it and now I have to edit the whole thing. And I like to do, and they all tie into Specimen 6 one way or the other. And I like doing Christmas audio plays because I used to listen to the radio all the time growing up. And so I've, you know, listen to Lights Out with uh, Arch Obler and then yeah. all the, in the shadow and everything. And so I like doing those. And so it's kind of turned into a tradition. So this is the third year I've done a Christmas themed play. And, um, and so when I have these really big ideas that I can't film that I know I need $50 million for, um, I'll just turn it into an audio play and I'll, or something like that. And I'll be like, well, I, I have an unlimited budget when I do an audio play. And so I have probably 20 other uh, plots written down that are probably going to go into an audio play or some other genre, you know, some other uh, media that I can tell these things in because I can't stop myself from thinking of these big ideas. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm limited to what I can do on the screen. That doesn't stop me from doing what I can on the screen. Um, I think I was pushing pretty good boundaries with, you know, a few hundred bucks here or there. But uh, when I do have these big epic things, I just turn it into an audio drama or I write it down as a prose story and then I release it that way. Okay. Yeah. So you're putting out books too then? Or, uh... Yeah, I read, I read a lot of like short prose and things like that. And actually Specimen 6 originally started as a, as a uh, novel idea. And so I started writing it as a prose book. And then um, it was kind of sitting around in my notebooks for a little while um, as some of the ideas as I was building it. And then I finally just decided, I'm like, no, I'm going to make it as a feature. And I thought, you know, well, maybe I'll film it all year long and that'll make it easier. And it didn't. And of course, it just made things like me pull out my hair and probably almost killed myself a few times. But um, uh, yeah, so anytime I get like kind of a crazy idea, it was just too big. Now I'll just, I'll, I'll create it in a different way. No, oh, cool, cool. Um... Yeah, because it's it's one of the ones where where I, I've I've been writing since I was a kid, mm. and uh, I have scripts and stuff that I've wrote for movies and stuff. Matter of fact, I was as I've told everybody, I was like my my I was supposed to film my first movie, twenty twenty, and yeah. then everything hit and I got mad and I put everything aside. Then I was bored watching because I'm a night owl, so I don't go to bed till about two three o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, I can do that. And uh, I. I'm sitting there watching the uh, um I want to say Amazon Prime and then I see a movie that's really close to the movie that I had just written and I'm like Ugh. so I basically just trashed like three quarters of my movie and then rewrote it and then the the few people that have writ read it love the new ending and new story better than the original one so I'm like well is it I guess it worked out better that way um, sometimes it's like that yeah and you know sometimes like you get a script where it's like not quite like clicking and people are you know or you see something like how oh, that's really close to that so yeah sometimes i mean the best advice i can give as a to myself as a writer is just don't cherish your darlings you have to be able to tear this shit up and put it all back together to make it work i do that pretty often with scripts or stories or anything like that where i'm like it's not it's like i like it but it's not feeling here it's not feeling like something i want to stand in front behind the camera and do and so i'll tear the motherfucker up and then i'll glue it back together in some other way to see if it works in a different way yeah yeah because it's it's i don't know there, there's just certain times where as 
you know, a creative person, you've got to like, just, you can't be locked into ideas, I guess. I'm trying yeah, to no, no, you'll sit around with the same idea forever and not get anything done. And I, and I got too much to get done to, to be able to do that. I'm like, and if sometimes, you know, if something's not working, you put it aside, you do something else. I do that quite a lot too. I have scripts laying around all, all over the place that, um, and a lot of filmmakers do. I just did this thing. I, I directed a short for Joe Sherlock. Um, so I'm going to get a little plug here. So I've been in a few of his movies and I've directed a couple things in his movies. So dark zone 13 part one, you can get, it's a great film. Uh, he, it's an anthology and he sent me a script called the doll that he had written years and years ago for somebody else. But he thought, well, I want to get this anthology done. And I know Joe can put two, you know, two cuts together. And so, uh, he just had this thing laying around i said hey do you want to do this i wrote this years ago and i said yes and then earlier this year he goes hey i want to do dark sun 13 part two and i can say that because it's already been announced it's coming out very any day now and um so he sent me a script that he had written something like seven years ago and uh ended up directing that and um so yeah and I, I would imagine that i have you know several other scripts i'll end up picking up one day and directing but i just haven't cracked that nut yet on a couple of them yeah now you did Project Eighty Eight, Project Oh Project Eighty Eight, yeah. Um, uh, Tony and I did that, so it was right after all the lockdown stuff started happening, and we were both bored. And so she had texted me this advertisement that they were doing. Uh, people from around the world were could sign up to get a scene from Back to the Future Two. And so uh, we, the idea was you had to do it in your backyard or in your house um, because it was right at the beginning when nobody knew anything about anything. Mm -hmm. And so Tanya texted me and she did half of it and I did the other half. And so, um, and then she edited it all together and then I did a little voice work in it. So yeah, it ended up being a huge kind of hit, surprisingly. I think like in the first few days, it had over a hundred thousand views and stuff like that on YouTube. Yeah. I was just checking that out. I was like, man, I was like, that seems like a really cool thing. It was. And it, I, you know, it definitely taught me a lot about scene structure too. Cause you, I had to watch the same 50 seconds over and over and over. And I had to make sure it was like, so every single second counted. So I had to recreate that whole thing. And so, you know, and uh, I thought that was, so I ended up doing that with a bunch of, well, I ended up like studying a lot of scenes like that. And I was like, yeah, oh, that's such a good idea to figure out how to scene, how a scene works. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Cool, cool. Now, you know, filming your stuff versus other people's scripts, do you find it harder to shoot other people's scripts or do you find it easier to shoot other people's scripts? Mm, I would say not as long as I, as you have like the basic knowledge of how a scene breaks down, you know, um, you kind of have to figure out what your angle is and whether like it's going to work for you. So, so far as work for hire goes, working other people's scripts, I've only had to work Joe Sherlock scripts and um, I've done three of his scripts. So I've done two shorts and I co-directed a movie coming out with him. It, it's coming out soon uh, it, called Axe Grinder 3. And so um, working off of his scripts, I've seen so many of his movies that I don't find it very difficult at all because i know how so i try to make a joe sherlock project every time i work from one of his scripts 
Um, every time I do one of my scripts, I probably find it harder because every time if I'm doing one of his movies, I just say I need to make a Joe Sherlock thing. But when I'm doing one of my movies, every single time I'm kind of trying to push the envelope and trying to do something a little different than I did last time. And so I just did a project that was uh, not for anything in particular other than I just wanted to do it. My friends were all going to be in the same place at the same time. So I said, hey, why don't we make a movie at the same time? And so I wrote a script and I wanted to kind of throw some more of my auteur sort of theory ideas of, you know, I was like, well, I love Robert Altman films. I love MASH and Popeye and things like that. And I was like, I kind of want to take some of those film making ideas and see how I apply it towards this. And so every time I do something of my own, I would say it's probably harder because I'm trying to figure out something else as far as my um, filmmaking Mm, prowess goes you know just I'm, I'm trying to figure out where my art is you know and trying to evolve that and so yeah it's harder probably to do my own stuff okay. now do you um you like go hey this is i'm gonna make a movie and i want this to be my you know like you said robert altman movie or mm. you know i want this to be my um you know spaghetti western i want this to be my uh jallo movie i want this to be you know do you ever do sit down and go yeah this is what i want to do today or you know just kind of start off with an idea and just go from there whether it feels right it feels right i think generally if it feels right it feels right so when i was doing this last thing it was because i, I was like i probably was thinking a lot about robert altman when i was writing the script and stuff like that but generally what i like to do is like i'll write a script and I've been so busy this last year of directing different things that it's I have to be able to figure out time to sit down to kind of what I like to call live with the script before I start to film it. And so I need a good two or three weeks where I can sit down with the script. I can break it down into shots and I can think about what the what what sort of filmmaking influences I have as far as this thing goes. And so when I was doing the perfect ratio, I was watching a lot of David Lynch movies. And so um, I was trying, I'd watch a, a scene from uh, Firewalk with me over and over and over, not because I was trying to study the scene itself, but because I was trying to take in the emotion that David Lynch was working with, you know, I was like, what were his ideas here? What was, what was the general, because it's more of a feeling sometimes that you're trying to figure out other than how to, because if you know how to operate a camera, you've made enough movies, you know how it, a camera pulled something off, you know how Werner Herzog pulled off something in like the Enigma of Casper Hauser or something, but that's not the idea that you're going for. You're not trying to figure out what the lens is or anything like that. That's the easy shit you can figure out. What you're trying to figure out is what the emotion was or what the, that little tiny, like just like buggery idea that they're trying to get through to the viewers. Like, what is that thing? And so I try to like, I try to live with the script and read the script. And then I, and then I start getting some feelings and ideas. And so I'll start going back to like certain books or certain movies or, or comic books, even I'm like, what is that feeling? And I'm trying to figure that out. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, usually it comes after I write a script or after somebody gives me a script to do like the, thing that i did with joe uh more recently uh for dark sun 13 part two it was very much like um rosemary's baby and so i went back and i watched that several times because i was trying to figure out i know how he did this stuff but what was the emotion behind that really so yeah and i i don't know if, if you're like me you're i love 
especially since DVDs came out, when they started putting a commentary track and oh, yeah. break down the filmmaker's commentary, that was something I, I devoured. Um, it's it's funny. Depending on the DVD, I was watching this, uh, the Ghost from Mars DVD, the commentary, and John Carpenter just kept talking about um, what's the, so it was the John Carpenter and the, uh, Natasha um, Anstridge. Anstridge, yeah. and they were doing it together. He just kept talking about her boobs the whole time and then talking about his kids' baseball. I was like, I'd like to hear about the movie, John. Thanks. See, I like the ones that have multiple commentaries. Like you have the director's commentary, and then you yeah. have the, the, like the director slash, uh, um, you know, s- script writer, you know, screenplay, you yeah. know, all that yeah. stuff. You have all those. It, or, or you get the greatest commentaries ever, which is the Arnold Schwarzenegger commentary. Yeah. <laughs> I, now, you know, working in the budget you got, you know, you guys, and I, I've said this a lot um, with other filmmakers and stuff, you guys got to put a lot of heart into this. Um, yeah, it's, that's it's all it is. definitely got to be your passion. Because, um, you know, you, you don't make, you know, spend all your time and make no money to bust your ass <laughs> or you know um you know literally like i said when i my podcast slash youtube channel thing um started because i had to put my movie on hold um mm-hmm. i had done a public access show in the early 2000s and that's what this kind of evolved out of but i had to turn my creative juices somewhere else and I started mm. doing this and uh, it was one of the ones where, okay, this is just easier for me to do. Cause I can literally do it with me, at least one other person. So I don't have to have a cast, you know, I can do interviews even on the, if you've ever go back to my old episodes, you can see, I have episodes with my son, my wife, uh, a couple of my best friends. Um, and it's just a way for me to, 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 to funnel my creativity into something nice. Instead of spending setting up all night just jotting stuff down that'll never oh, yeah. be today. Um, now, you know, have you been like this since you know you were a kid? Were you one of the ones that had the camcorder and was? Uh, well, you know, I didn't make movies when I was young. I've always been. I've always ri- written stuff, and I've always drawn stuff and painted stuff, and I, I used to act a lot in theater, so I actually have more extensive acting. Um, so I always wanted, I always loved movies and kind of thought like, maybe I shouldn't, you know, make a movie, but then I never really did. Like I did some like high school TV shows that they show on the CCTVs around the school and everything. We did this, like, uh, a survivor knockoff show that would be every week, but I would just be acting in it. And so that was fun. So I've been involved with different kind of film things, but I've never, I didn't start directing movies actually until maybe eight years ago or so. And so, um, I it was because I went to Crypticon one year and it was my first horror convention and then I met Joe Sherlock there and and I started watching his movies and I started discovering more micro budget films and I was like well shit I can do this if this dude did it for a thousand dollars why can't I and so I you know got all my friends together and we did this stupid movie called The Last Temptation of Bible Boy that had a lot of people farting and pooping and, and just like barfing all over the place you know just, just stupid stuff and um it's on youtube you can watch it for free it's like 45 minutes long it's basically watch that if if you want to learn how not to make a movie so uh <laughs> i had no idea what i was doing but you know what i did it and so it was fun and um 
so yeah, I know I've always had these ideas. I've always wanted to, I was, I've always, I love story. And I think story is the most important thing in the world. And it's basically what we, the great thing about being a human being is, is that we've always sat around the fire and we've always told stories and we've written on cave walls. And, and every time that there's been a person somewhere, they've always had a story to tell. Or they've always had a fairy tale that they've dreamt up and they wanted to tell to somebody you know, and so, yeah, so it's like, I think it's the most important part of being a human being is sharing that experience with somebody. And so, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to always be a storyteller. Yeah. Now, do, do you still like, I mean, because you're obviously acting in your own movies, you still like acting as much as you used to, or is, is directing <laughs> wipe that out? No, no, I like, I like acting. So, um, Specimen Six, I acted in that because I had a very specific role that I wanted to play. I've always wanted to play a really dark, fucked up sort of character. And so I wrote that specifically for me. And so I had my buddy John kind of behind the camera a lot. I said, you got to be more of the director on this one, dude. And so um, just so I could act in it. And um, I kind of got that out, you know, a little bit. I play a pretty good creep. And um, <laughs> and then, um, but when I do act, I generally prefer to act in for other people's movies because that way I can just turn off that directing part of my brain and focus on the actor thing so I've, I've been very lucky and I've acted for Joe a couple times and, and I've worked behind the scenes in different capacities so if I'm doing like makeup say on a movie um, I always do a million diff, you know, different things on my own movies but I always prefer if I'm doing something for somebody else I'm just doing one thing or the other you know if I'm acting I'm acting if I'm doing if I'm a blood boy on set I'm a blood boy on set or I'm you know makeup this or that so um so yeah, and so I, if I am acting, I prefer doing it for other people, but sometimes I do it out of necessity. I just, I did my own thing. Again, I acted in this last short that I just finished. And so, um, but just cause it was like easy and I need, and I was the only guy there cause I only have a handful of like dude friends that like will really like show up. So uh, most of them are like, uh, I don't know, maybe. And then they never show up. But I have like, you know, two or three dudes that I know that will always be there when I ask them. And so sometimes it has to be me out of necessity. Yeah, it's funny because I've, I've got a couple, like I said, filmmaker friends. And I've been in a couple movies that's been like, hey, do you want to be in a movie? Sure. Why, why not? So <laughs> my internet is fucked up. There we go. And I'm like, okay i'll be in a movie um but i i, I don't know it's one of the ones where where i i literally i legitimately i'm getting older uh so i know that i'm not going to be like the the hero in the movie yeah be nothing <laughs> big like that um i i i want to do one thing and i want to be the guy at the beginning of the horror movies that tells the kids that they're all going to die out there oh the warning man yeah. i want to be the warning man Except for I, I, my goal is, is that everybody that makes films around here is I would like to be like for one solid year, just be that guy that appears in every one of their movies. Oh, see, that'd be good. Yeah, you're doomed. You're, yeah, you're just in everybody's movie. You're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Crazy yeah. Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. And that, would, that, that, that way, that way, because all of our, all of these movies are made in a relatively small area. And that way you could canonically put them in the same area with the same gas station. <laughs> with the same that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, it's like, hey, that's that guy. And that's that gas station. Yeah, I, I've seen this guy. That was a completely yeah. different movie. I'm like, yes, I'm that guy. Yeah. <laughs> really, dog? My dog decides it wants to bother the crap out of me right now. Oh, it doesn't. No. <laughs> really? 
That's gross noise. Okay. <laughs> that's not my dog. That's my wife's dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a cat floating around here somewhere. Well, yeah, I think earlier your, your viewers are going to see my cat's butt jumped up here earlier. Every like I've 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 interviewed I think um, now three of the last four people that I've interviewed. So it's you, Tanya, and uh, my friend Aaron, and yeah. all all of their cats are running around. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Give me one second. Hold on. Yeah. Yep. You said you do movies. You do uh, audio plays. Um, is there another medium you'd like to work in? Yeah, actually, right now, it's just starting out with, like, I'm starting to write out the scripts and everything, but I want to come out with a magazine, just, like, one issue, just for fun, and it's going to have, like, short prose stories, it's going to have comic stories, it's going to have all sorts of crazy weird stuff in it, but it's all going to circuit, you know, it's all going to be about the Specimen 6 world, and so it's going to be kind of that thing where you asked me earlier, where it's like, well, do you have these other stories that are kind of, like, bigger and whatever? Well, this is going to be kind of some of those things. Um, one of the stories is going to be a bit more uh, literary. I want to kind of like bring my Herman Melville kind of writing backbone, you mm -hmm. know, in there a little bit. And then um, I have this idea for like kind of these Sunday funny short things about like a baby Marissa getting up into kind of crazy stuff. And um, so I want to do one regular thing like that and so i'm starting to write the scripts right now and kind of work on the artwork and so yeah i do want to do a little bit of comic books and a little bit more prose work and things like that and i think it'd just be fun for somebody to have on their on their shelf you know all right um now your background did you did you just go directly did you have any schooling did you go um or did you just do the school of doing oh, as far as like film and stuff like yeah. that um, I'm a do-it-yourself as far as film and stuff goes. I did, I did go to college, but I went to college and I have a history degree. So it really has like, and I did a bunch of like film appreciation classes and that, but you know, that film appreciation class doesn't do shit as far as like teach you how to make a movie. So um, you get a lot, watch a lot of cool movies in those classes, but it doesn't teach you nothing about movies, you know, making them. So the only way, you know, I learned how to make movies was by being on a set and writing scripts and doing it over and over and over. So yeah, I have no formal schooling as far as filmmaking goes, other than I just watched a lot of movies and I make a lot of them now. Yeah. Yeah. Now you'd be like, well, uh, was it, uh, I worked at a video store. So one of my schools was, mm. I was a uh, manager at Hollywood video for about four years. Oh, I worked at a blockbuster for about three years. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, we were rivals. <laughs> no, we weren't. Blockbuster killed <laughs> Hollywood video. No, yeah, yeah. no blockbuster sucked. <laughs> Hollywood was horrible. I, um, it was funny because when uh, that last blockbuster documentary dropped, Mm. um on netflix i had people who were always asking me questions about my time work because everybody's like oh was it fun i'm like it could be but most of the time it was just dealing with asshole customers <laughs> yeah that's all blockbuster was yeah i mean my the fate i remember my favorite thing to do when i worked at a blockbuster was yeah you had to work it with like you know kind of asshole you know but i mean that's customer service in general yeah but my favorite thing to do was like they'd ask me to go like take a wet cloth or something to go wipe down the DVDs. And I was perfectly fine for that with that. Cause then I just go look at the movies and read the movies and enjoy them. And so I'd go to the next one and that was my favorite thing to do. I mean, talking to the customers was generally not my favorite thing to do because they'd come in they'd want to watch the blind side. And I'm like, where's the blind side. I'm like, I don't want to talk, talk about the blind side. And I had some like gal come in and like, she'd get really angry at me. 
she was renting a video game or something like that. And I said the video game sucked. And then she'd yell at, you know, so it's just customer service. So, no, that's not the fun part. I mean, being around the movies and and once in a while, you get that one person that wants to watch a good horror film. I said, well, if you want to watch a good horror film, you don't want to rent it from us. You want to go five miles over there to a place called Crazy Mike's. And they have a, a wonderful film <laughs> called Bloody Murder 2 or just something like that, you know, Bloody Murder 2. I have that on VHS tape somewhere around here. I got that both on VHS and DVD. Was it? Yep. Um, I can't remember which one I got. Well, yeah, no, because I do have Bloody Murder 1 and 2 on VHS, and I have Bloody Murder 1 and 2 on DVD. Because I want to say it was part of a box set. Or like yeah, part one's three. terrible. Yeah. I can't, yeah, part one is a hard one to get through. You're like, oh, God. There's even a line in the movie that says, <laughs> they're talking about this slasher film, and, and, and he says, uh, he's trying to explain. He's like, and it's longer than your traditional like slasher film. It's like, yeah. So is this movie is killing me. <laughs> I love part two though. I mean, t- uh, uh, yeah, that one. I mean, it's not great, but it's a lot better than part one. And you know, there's even a part three. So just in case people wanted to know, there's one called The Graveyard, and it uh, takes place at uh, camp- at Placid Pines Cemetery. And so Placid Pines Camp, of course, is where the other two are. It just has nothing to do with uh, Trevor Morehouse, which is my favorite thing about the movie. It's like like just how this the name rolls off the tongue and how they're trying to like copy Friday the 13th in every way. It's like Jason Voorhees, Trevor Morehouse. Like there's just something there, right? That's great. Well, I think I think legitimately i think my bloody murder 2 is signed by i think tiffany sheffis you so lucky i would love to meet her yeah that's she's the best reason for part two is tiffany sheffis well what's funny is i i got i met her really early on in her career back when she was a trauma girl and we used to always be at the same conventions over and over and over again and we kind of, you know, we, what I call con friends, we'd always talk and chat at every show. And uh, I didn't see her for a long period of time. And then my wife was with me at a con. And so she's like, are you the one that puts up with this guy? And she's like, yeah, it's the one that we're married. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, legit, she signed an autograph to my wife and, uh, you know didn't never charge i've never n- tiffany's never charged me for anything yeah. um, so it was funny because uh i think she did a uh, femme fatale magazine and she went through the magazine and signed every picture of herself in the magazine that's awesome <laughs> that's, that's even better one, that's so cool yeah so i have one magazine that signed like eight times throughout the magazine <laughs> that's cool uh, but uh yeah that's that's one thing I, I missed about the whole COVID thing was not being able to hang uh, with the the people I used to go to cons with all the time. Yeah, um, I'm a comic book guy, so I do a lot of comic book conventions or I little comic book shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like a from December uh, 2019 to June 2021, I did not go to one convention. That oh, wow. was, like comic book yeah. related I, I went to a couple toy shows but that was you know that was like two people i knew at those it wasn't the same people that i go to and i hang out with you know several times a year yeah so yeah yeah i go to crypticon every year that was the the worst part for me was crypticon was canceled and i was 
he could take away everything else, but he took away Crypticon. That's the worst. Yeah. Now, do you, do you take a lot of your stuff to the cons, and or you just go as a guest, or do you just go as a fan? Um, you know, I usually just go as a fan, but it wasn't until really this last this last year I took a bunch of DVDs with me just to go hand out to a, you know whoever talked to me about whatever Specimen Six because I just have a bunch of DVDs laying around. Um, but now I just go as a fan, and um, I just like to kind of like take in the ambiance of of the the convention and even like i'll get really excited I'm like oh i'm gonna meet this person i'm gonna meet this person and then i show up and I, I meet three people and i'm like i'm pretty good and i'm usually like i can see that person and it's almost like we're still hanging out at the same party but i don't need to go talk to them you know and so you know it, it always ends up being like that i get myself psyched up to meet somebody i mean i did meet joe bob briggs last year so that was this you know a few months ago so that was pretty awesome that, that that's that's uh one that i really want to meet uh i have very tall he hurts hurts your neck when you look up at him yeah well i i was telling a, one of my customers that shop i was like um year a few years back um what were we, oh no it was last night um we were watching uh because it was dead at the shop so i put in uh we were watching last boy scout and nice. uh, i was talking about danielle harris i was like yeah i met her a few you know a few years back oh I man like, i wish I didn't realize how short she was because I have to, I'm not a tall guy. I'm like five, yeah. nine. So I have to lean in and, you know, I got my yeah. heart in to take the picture. I was like, but there's literally a picture later on the same day where I meet uh, Tyler Maine and Tyler Maine has to lean down yeah. <laughs> and, and like put his arm around my wife and my, and mine. I'm like, geez, man, you're like, He's seven foot tall, yeah. you know. I, I I think he's like I think he's like six nine or six ten, but he's just you're just like wow, just that's tall. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. See, luckily where I live, um, we're not far from like uh, Days of the Dead, uh, the Horror Hound, both oh, in Indianapolis and uh, yeah. Columbus and Cincinnati. But I've missed all those because they always seem to come on weekends where I am like super booked. Mm. Um, you know, I, I run, I own my own business. I own my own comic shop. So if like I'm magic comes out or whatever that day, I can't leave. That's yeah. That's, that's uh, that's money. Yeah. That's, yeah. Anyway. So, <laughs> um, I, um, do you ever do any like the film festivals or anything? No, I, you know, I'm not much. I'm kind of a homebody when it comes down to everything except for Crypticon and going out. If, if, if like a move, if I'm working on a movie, I'll go anywhere to go do it. But if, if I'm other than Crypticon, I don't really go do anything. Um, no, I can't say. I mean, I used to go to Emerald City Comic Con a lot. Um, so, but I haven't gone to that in maybe 10 years because it just got too big for me. And so I couldn't go look at comic books, which is like the one thing I want to go do when I go there is get the, cause I used to walk out with like $200 worth of quarter comics. You know, I'd have to go like two trips of how many comic books I was buying from Emerald city comic con each time to the back to the car, run, go get more, go back to the car. And then it just got to be too much for me. And, and I'm not great with crowds. So total man after my own heart. Um, I, I, I got thirty thousand comic books back there. Yeah, you, we're probably really close. Um, I could yeah. play. Well, no, I'm, I'm probably. I'm probably. I think over. you have more because you have a comic shop, so I'm pretty sure you have more. Well, 
um, I have, I'm still putting all my stuff in a computer and uh, I've only done about a third of it. And I think I'm at 15,000 books. So, and that's, that's going way back. So that's, that's all I have. But, you know, I, uh, that's just my own personal collection. Yeah. Uh, but I am definitely, I love me some 50 cent dollar boxes. That's the best part to go. Oh my God. I used to go to this one called the comics place and and the place is still technically open, but it's under like, I don't know, the fourth owner since I was a kid. But when I was 10 years old, 11 years old, you could go into the comics place. He'd actually mark it off. They'd be 10 cents a freaking back, you know, because they they were nothing to him. And so uh, he'd get this marker on it and then he'd sell it for 10 cents. I'd walk out 10 bucks. I got a hundred comic books, sir. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, that, see, what kills me was when I was a kid, um, we had two places that would do that. They would put the, the black mark through the price yeah. and the cover, or they would open up the inside and rip stamp, it. Or they oh, stamped, they did that, yeah. They stamped their bottom page. And so they were 10 cent and I got all these books that are now like expensive. So yeah. Star Wars, G.I. Joe, yeah. um, uh, Battlestar Galactica, um you know all these books that now you know have value and it's like man i bought them for 10 cents a piece back in the day i could just reach over i got a hundred other comic books laying around here but i can just reach over to my left and i got an original challengers of the unknown right there ah sweet yeah I i don't i don't think i have that good of stuff but i have um the issue of vinyl that just came out today. <laughs> oh, nice. See, yeah. I mean, any good comic fan can just reach over five feet or a foot and they have comic books everywhere. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I got some vinyl. <laughs> Dude. Um, oh, no, it's not that one. It must be that one. Um, I just bought, I filled my, I have a, a Dodge Magnum and I just filled that last Monday and bought a bunch of books from, uh, uh, and, and brought them up because I'm getting ready for a comic book show on the 12th. So I'm like going through there, going through there, going through there. And I'm like, all right, I got 20, 21 boxes. I pulled a half a long box of stuff I needed. So I'm like, okay, okay. That's not horrible. It's not like back in the day where I'd buy 20 boxes and pull five for myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that's another thing. It's really nice is that, um, I buy them at bulk prices, so it's not even ten cents a book anymore. It's like five yeah. or six cents a book. That's awesome. Uh, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite comic? My favorite—that's tough, man. Favorite comic of all time. Um, okay. God, what did I? We'll just say it this way: favorite DC, favorite Marvel, favorite independent. That way, you don't have to go of all time. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I grew up when I was like really collecting, I started collecting back in what, 87, 88 when Death of the Family came out. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually one of my first comic books was the death of uh, Jason of Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the day that happened, my dad, uh, it was an Easter day and, and he had bought these comic books and one of them was the death of Robin. And it was in my basket. And I read that. But um, let's see, my favorite comic book, I was a big DC fan in the early 90s. And so um, I used to, I, I, I read a lot of Dan Jurgens, you know, anything that he had something to do with. And so I loved Crisis in the Sky. That was my, one of my favorite, like, crises that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it, man, it's so hard to say, like, what my favorite of all time. I loved anything that Jack Kirby did, of course. Of course, he was, you know, 
Well, he wasn't out of the game when I was younger because he still ended up doing some stuff with uh, um, was he doing Secret Six, Jack Kirby Secret Six, something like that. Tops Comics, and I bought those. So, I mean, his 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 heyday was the seventies. Yeah, and you know, he did two thousand one Space Odyssey comics, and then uh, New Gods and all that. I mean, that artwork is just incredible. My favorite. Oh, the the I bought um Marvel is now putting out these ginormous books. They're like that wide. I think yeah. they're like they're the original art page is wide, big. Um, so I think they're like uh maybe 18 by 24. And oh, so yeah. yeah, I have those. I have uh, um the Galactus size Fantastic Four. So it's all Fantastic Four, but it's like this giant size. I have um uh kirby is mighty so it's the jack kirby thor books and then i have uh um jack kirby's fantastic um steve ditko is amazing and then uh, the alex ross marvels but they're these they're huge i gotta get those i gotta get those i that's more what i'm collecting now is just kind of those big coffee table books i just got this one that's uh uh jack kirby and wally wood um on this Sunday comic that they did, I'd have to go grab it to my living room. And that was fan. Like, ah, or, what did I get here? Oh, or I got Steve Gitko's Avenging World right here. I just yeah. bought that. Yeah. So just things like that. Oh, okay. Here, here's, see, these, these are some of the things. I love these. The big yeah, trendy yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. My goal is to get all of them because there's only, you know, X amount of them. They don't have a whole bunch of them. But uh, give me one second. I'm going to grab one of the books to show you. They're huge. This is how big they are. Oh, see, I want that. But how much I, did that cost? Like 75 bucks or something? No, this one was uh, $100. Gee! <laughs> but but, but here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I uh, do shows, and there's a guys that do the, the dinged and damaged books. Oh. I bought four of these for 60 bucks what all together yeah because you see this it's got the big ding it's right worth there. it oh yeah. who cares it's worth he, it i i don't that's what i told him he goes well he goes that one's tore i'm like i don't care and oh it's i don't yeah i don't buy anything because of how much they're, i mean i have comics that are worth a few grand but yeah you know here or there old supermans and spider-mans but no i, I buy them because i i like to read them yeah but no, I, I I looked at the guy and he goes he goes oh it's 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 I'm like no I, I want them uh, anytime yeah. I can luck into those at like the discount prices I'll get oh um, yeah I haven't bought one at full retail yet because I just can't drop a hundred bucks on something like yeah that. that's uh that's that's too much I I'm I'm uh uh I I feel bad if I have to pay twenty dollars for a book. I'll, oh, oh, like a single issue. Yeah, I'll buy graphic novels here and there, but I don't really buy too many like newer comic books. Like anything in the last three years, I kind of just like I'm like, eh. I kind of just want to get the older stuff nowadays. So See, uh, I was getting that point, and then all these independent books started coming out recently. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna have to send me a list of good ones because I, I just I need somebody that appreciates good writing and good comic books that. You know, I was like, I want to buy comic that books. I just Radiant Black. Okay. Yeah, it's a weird superhero one. Um, let's see. 
got like beyond the reach um that's aftershock i've been hearing about them right yeah 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 they um, put out pretty good stuff yeah they put out some good stuff right now probably my favorite uh one of my favorite comic company is scout comics is putting out this stuff called black mask and it's their horror slash like dark sci-fi books okay um this is a good one uh it was time after time now that was the first story arc now the second story arc is time before time Hmm. um let's see fight girls that one just started i haven't read that one yet and then then i just randomly pick up some stuff like um i i can't i'm not gonna lie i'm not a big fan of this one but it is joe or uh stephen king and owen king's book called sleeping beauty oh um well that one's based off the novel or whatever right yeah um the artwork is i i collected it because i already got it but it's one of the ones where the artwork kind of is put off putting this is the mm. one i could wait for today good boy that's right good boy all right <laughs> um stuff i got i got tales of the dead astronaut <laughs> see i gotta start getting these these are ones that i haven't seen um yeah these just dropped but i don't have any of the I thought I did, but um, the Black Mask one's got stuff like um, um, Gods of Brutality, this like almost Danzig type uh, rock star. He's in like deep shit. So he basically prays and the only gods that answer are Thor and Hercules. So they come and get him out of hell. Uh, <laughs> ah, that sounds cool. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said, but then there's stuff like uh, Images putting out some good ones. Um uh the me you love in the dark uh it's this weird tale of a girl falling in love with a ghost that may not hmm. be a ghost um and um we don't kill spiders um like i said uh anything that pretty much anything that black masks puts out from scout comics is really good right now so as, as I turn into a salesman and try pitching selling. No, yeah, no. That's cool because, yeah, I I was going every week up until about three years ago. I'd go every week, of course, because I had my pull box. And I'd be, I don't know, I, I, I didn't even care about how much I spent. I'd spend like 100, 150 every month or so, sometimes more. And then I was like, I don't care. I love comic books. But then, like, every month, like, I get a title. I'm like, this writing is just atrocious. And it was just like usually DC or Marvel. I'm like, I was loving what happened. They switched the writer. And then I'll be like, I, I want to, I'll give them three ep- issues. And I'm like, this is the most god-awful writing I've ever read. And I've been reading for 30-odd years, you know? Oh, yeah. And and uh, and then I'll just be like, okay, cancel that one, cancel that one. Every time it'd be get to that point, I'm like, I got one book on my pull list. And it's like, it's only mediocre. So, yeah. so I'm like, I'm like, you know, I think I'm done, guys. I don't, and, you know, and I'd open up like, oh, cool, RoboCop. And I'd open the front page. I was like, why is he all depressed and sitting in the corner? This isn't a RoboCop comic. I'm like, okay. What, what happens with me recently is that um, I was reading Immortal Hulk. And Immortal Hulk was good. I hear it's good. Al Ewing is yeah, the writer. Al Ewing and, and uh, uh, Bennett were working on it. Yeah. And it was great. And... Uh, the end was a little i mean the book yeah. it, it, it's uh it, they they stephen king did, you know where they had a great yeah. the whole thing and didn't know how to do the ending um 
But the first issue of the next storyline came in, which is not anything to do with the Immortal Hulk. And I'm just reading it and I'm like, man, they better pick this up or I want to drop this again. Right? I that was Hulk. what was happening. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what was happening to me. You know, I was reading, I had started picking up Superman again when Dan Jurgens was doing it. And I was loving it. And uh, what Peter Tomasi was doing, the other um, Superman book at the time with Rebirth and everything. I was loving that. And I think that was, I think it was Peter Tomasi. And I was yeah, buying both yeah. books. And then Bendis came in and pissed and shit all over the place. And uh, then I was just like, no, thanks. No, it's, I've been an X-Men fan since I was a little kid. And that's, that's the only book that I've bought from, that I still buy, even when it gets horrible, which it's got like, you know, like yeah. four, years where it was horrible. It was one of the ones <laughs> where I was just, I buy it out of habit. Even when mm-hmm. I went through that whole period when you were, you know, in my early twenties, when I was partying and drinking all the time, the only thing I was still reading every month was X-Men. X-Men comic. Yeah. And um, so now I'm to the point where, where it, it, it's one of the ones where like a couple issues will be really good. And then the next issue will be like, yeah, then it'll be really good. Then it'll be blah. And it'll go like four or five issues where it's black. And then it'll have a couple good issues. And I'm like, I guess this is my life now. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a guy, I'm, I'm maybe 20 issues of having an entire run of original X-Men. Wow. Um, yeah, you're a completionist, sir. Oh, man. Yeah. I, well, that's like uh, a month ago, I finally completed the old school Marvel Star Wars. So I have all of those now. Wow. Yeah. It sucks. Pain That's fucking pain. awesome. Those were good. I've read a few of those. I'm sorry to say I've only read a few of them, but I loved some of the artwork that's in those. Just, I mean, I think that's a real craftsmanship is back in the early 80s when Jim Shooter was like jumping on board and everything. And just, I know a lot of people shit all over Jim Shooter. And so I was like, well, he kind of righted the ship before it sunk. So, yeah. You know. I met him. He was a cool guy to me. I don't get it, but that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. I've read some of these interviews and I'm like, he sounds awesome, and he knows what he's talking about. If you go onto his website, he has a great website where he has these scripts that he wrote. That's some of the best comic book writing, just the scripts alone. It's absolutely a blow you blow your mind. Yeah, I mean, he he wrote Secret Wars. You know, yeah, I love Secret Wars. Yeah, talking about yeah. one of my favorite comic books of all time. That's that's up there is Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah. Given the fact that that was supposed to just be a uh, toy tie-in yeah to, to market toys and they end up making it this huge marvel event and yeah then that still stands to this day as an important milestone in marvel comics well, it changed how much stuff in the marvel universe that that's still like the writers nowadays they're, they're writing stuff from secret wars they don't even know it's from secret wars because they're so <laughs> incompetent that they're like stealing ideas from secret wars they don't even realize it yeah yeah, see, see, that's another thing is that that I think when you get these mar- when you get these comic book guys, um, there used to be continuity guys. That yeah, one, not I, anymore. I don't think there's continuity guys anymore. Um, it, it's one of the ones where uh, I uh, Mark Wade uh, used to do shows around here a lot, and I actually began talking to him a lot. And a lot of people hate Mark Wade. Um, and I'm he doesn't have a great reputation. No. Yeah, never been nothing but super nice to me. Um, I mean, we'd sit there and talk. I mean, we did a, a, um, a, a thing called fanboy feud 
and it was basically family feud and he was on my team. <laughs> so oh, I, really, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. And uh, the worst part about it is we still lost, but <laughs> because <laughs> we were picking stuff that, that as comic book fans, we would have loved to see. Yeah. Um, like they asked, okay, if you could meet any comic book artist, who would it be? And we're all these older comic book guys. We're like the one guy who never does shows, Steve Ditko. We yeah. would love to meet Steve Ditko. And it's back when, you know, when he was still alive. Well, he doesn't do anything. He never did interviews. He didn't do nothing. No. Yeah. So that was like, we were all like, yeah, everybody was like, yeah, well, Steve Ditko would be the guy. And it, Steve Ditko wouldn't, didn't even make the list. It was like, you know, like Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane. I'm like, whatever. no, sir. You got to go back to the people that the real craftsmen. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Those I mean, you look at it. A Steve Ditko page, and you're like, man, how did he pull that off? And like, people are like, oh, that's so simplistic. It's like that ain't simplistic. That's fucking that's that's high thinking cartooning right there. Oh, when yeah. you look at like a Wally Wood, if you look at like the first issue of Daredevil, you're like, how does he like? How did he make Daredevil like pose like that? It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, you know, like I said, people hate Mark Wade, but. Never been nothing but nice to me. I think mean, he's got a really bad reputation. Yeah, yeah. Like I've I've heard a lot of bad stuff. I'm like, I've never met him. I can't say anything. Yeah. yeah. But I've I've met also met people that people were like, oh, it's the biggest, oh, super nice guy. I met him. He was an asshole to me. I don't know. Maybe I just there's some that. actors that are like that too. Yeah. I mean, when I went met um, who did I meet? Um, um Oh God, Ed Brubaker, I met him and, but it was for like five, it was like maybe two minutes. And I thought like, oh, that wasn't a very good interaction, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm like, maybe he was just like not in the mood to talk to somebody at the time, you know, but yeah, yeah. The, the, it was like still a good writer. But the, the one guy that, that, that I've never had a good interaction with, but it was Steve Rude, the guy that created Nexus. Oh, I, you know, Steve, did you watch that documentary that was all, oh, no, it wasn't the writer, Steve, Steve Root's the writer, right? And then the Steve, artist was. Steve Root's the, is the artist. Um, oh, okay, so yeah. Did you watch that documentary with Steve Root? He has kind of like, uh, he's somewhat autistic, almost, mm. from what the documentary was saying, like, and he has these like, manic depressive things where he'll freak out and punch walls forever and then he won't draw for like months and then he'll go yeah it's really fat it was on amazon for a little while though i can't remember what it was called though but yeah i hear like maybe that explains why he was an asshole to me i don't know. maybe i don't know the more i hear about the comic book industry like as you deep get deeper you're like oh there's a lot of assholes in there i don't know why but. it it well it's you, you know you're a creative person and you're told to be creative but then yeah you know you don't have license to what you just created on most parts you'd be so. pretty angry yeah yeah i'm uh, i have a friend that's running into that now he created a character and somebody else is trying to claim rights to it so yeah that's not cool yeah i mean yeah that's just little no budget you know guy making comics essentially out of his house so and somebody's already yeah the, you run into some of that with uh indie filmmaking too where you'll get some like really i there's a lot of like shop talk behind the scenes stuff that i've talked to a lot of filmmakers that i can't really talk about but there are like certain people that very uncreative people 
that want to start lat that they start latching on to like they're like oh this is a cool thing it's like yeah make a movie let's do this you know everybody's very open and everything and then they end up i know somebody they were telling me a story about this filmmaker that's very you know well known for one particular sort of thing that he does Mm -hmm. it was like a, a title that he did several movies of and somebody that was, you know, he was being nice too. That was that he was like, hey, yeah, make movies. You know, we all love to help each other. And then she ended up literally using his title and just remaking his movie. And he's like, could you not do that? And she got mad or something about it. And so you run into these weird people that were like, I don't think they're like mentally well some of these people that try to still like they're not creative and they try to steal other people's stuff okay well i was told you know i'm sitting there talking to people one time and they're like man don't don't give too many people your ideas because you know and they're like because somebody will like that's a brilliant idea i'm gonna make that and they'll run off and then you're like oh that's i created that and they're like no you didn't that guy did he yeah. made a movie. You're still sitting on your ass trying to, you know, put a script together. This is true. Yeah, so. I mean, but it, sometimes it's a testament to what you are as a writer too. It's like you don't want to tell everybody all of your right. I'll tell you what, you can tell people your ideas after you've already made your movie. Yeah. That's the way that I look at it because like just don't tell them be, right beforehand. 6 months ago, I thought of I thought of Amityville Bigfoot. And I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that one yet because there's a million Amityville films. Mm-hmm. And then about two weeks ago, somebody started posting these things. We're making Amityville Bigfoot. I'm like, well, shit, I should have made that six months ago. <laughs> you know? But maybe it's just something in the air or something. I don't know. It what Was it the uh, uh, um, parallel evolution where you're working on something at the same time somebody else yeah. is working on this? Because it happens. Yeah, I've oh, had yeah. a lot of ideas like, you got to jump on that iron while it's hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I yeah. worked on a, a book back in the early 2000s called The Elite. Um, I had it. The artist was the first issue was finished. And then about the time it was all done, DC started doing this book called DC, The Justice League Elite. And it was almost the same wow. premise and everything. And I'm like, oh, damn it. Damn it. My book was completely done, not published yet. And this book came out, and it's like, nope, shit can that. That's done. Yeah. Go away. That's what my, my basic philosophy is like. I got to get this shit done now, and I got to get it out there. Yeah, maybe some of it. Some of it's kind of like that too. You know? no, yeah. Never sit around on a film that find a, find a place for your films. Find a uh, home for your films as soon as possible. So, I, like when I saw Specimen Six, when I made Specimen Six, I I knew somebody. And I said, hey, what do you think about this? And then he said, yeah, it might be a good idea. And then a few months later, he goes, hey, you still want Specimen 6? Come on, DVD. I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> and so, yeah. Nobody's going to steal Specimen 6, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he's like, good. That, that, that yeah. is a lot of movie. It's a lot of movie. It's a lot of movie in an hour and a half. Um, you know, it, I, I talk to other friends of mine, like, so do, do these movies and stuff. I got to do this for you. And, you know, you always hear these awful reviews online. They're like, oh, these guys are a bunch of people just making. I'm like, it legitimately is a bunch of people making movies in a basement. Yeah. Oh, I've made several movies in basements. Yeah. <laughs> but they're doing their best damn job. They could you make yeah. a better movie in your basement. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Now, I think it's usually people that were like, oh, yeah, oh, they could, oh, God, I meet people all the time that are always, 
uh like they'll start shit talking like oh i can make a movie you know i got an idea for a movie it's like you should make it then you're like i don't know maybe i don't know and i'm like just fucking do it dude it's yeah. like you're gonna sit around saying you could make a good movie oh i hear these people go oh yeah making movies is easy i was like have you made one and they're like no i was like making movies ain't easy brother i'll tell you that much it's, it's not it'll fucking kill you and uh <laughs> and but no yeah. uncreate non-creatives Don't. yeah Mine is, is that it all comes down to time. I, yeah. I could make movies all day long if other people wanted to work from midnight to two o'clock in the morning, but nobody wants to work oh, yeah. from midnight to two o'clock in the morning. Not very many people will, but sometimes you get yeah. some friends. So You get so, a friend that wants to be on set with you for 14 hours, and you want to keep calling that person. Well, Tanya, she she was telling me, she goes, make a movie. She goes, do it. She goes, don't make if you don't want to make your full movie, do a short. I was like, I have yeah. shorts, you know, she goes, you do a 15 minute movie and knock it out in a day, maybe two days. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, and I was like, Oh, okay. I can do that. I <laughs> did. I just did this thing. Um, I'll send you, I'll send it to you after this thing. Um, but um, I just finished editing it. And the first, like about 95% of it, I did in 14 hours. And then I had two follow-up days. Uh, one was an hour. Each day was an hour worth of shooting. To finish it up but the majority that you'll see when you see it it was took i was like i have 14 hours and i have 16 people here at this party i'm gonna make a fucking movie <laughs> so that's what i did yeah, mine is is that uh i got i got since i have my shop i want to do a little shorts like maybe a five ten minute short um but it involves me i'd have to have maybe at least one other person because i need somebody to man a puppet and oh yeah, yeah, yeah because i want to have like the 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 good and the evil but like the the both sides so they're not i don't want the angel and the demon or the devil yeah. i just want to have two like monsters that are just yeah. various that are like you should really do that yeah <laughs> yeah really do that that's a good idea that sounds cool and, and, i like that I, I had a guy who was supposed to make me puppets and then it, it kind of fell through, but I, I'm. We got you know, YouTube videos, brother. Just go yeah. watch a YouTube video, make a puppet. Make my own damn puppets. Yeah. But yeah. I just need somebody to mount the, to do the puppets. And the worst part about it is, is that I, I can do voices pretty well when I, when I have the time, I, but I was like, so I want to do almost have somebody else play me. And yeah. I would do the voices <laughs> of the puppets. <laughs> You should do that. I mean, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, have somebody play you. Just write it out like that. Yep. But uh, yeah, like I said, do shorts. And I thought, man, I got this YouTube channel. I do my Saturday morning cartoon show. I do this. Why not do five minute little <laughs> little? Do it. Yeah, I got a bunch of short films on my YouTube channel just because I was bored. Yeah. So, oh man, um, I don't want to keep you much longer because it's getting late on my end here. I can always talk movies and comics. All right. Well, we can. Um, I gotta let the dog in too. So, um, All right. I will let you go, um, and we will do this again, and we'll talk movies and comics again. Yeah, um, anytime. I'm down. Cool, cool, cool. Let's really get in the nitty gritty of comic books. I've always. It's been years since I've gotten in the nitty gritty of comic books. I'd love to come back for that. Th that has literally been my life. Um, I started working <laughs> at these comic shops since I was 15. I turned 40. I used to. Dang, dude! I I was I was 
The only thing I've been able to do was I volunteered at a comic shop. They'd give me free, um, what was it, Age of Apocalypse X-Men issues because they just started coming out. So I could I'd go around organizing. They ended up closing down because they were messing around with girls in the back room. So they ended up getting a little bit of trouble there. So <laughs> I'm like, they were open for like three months. I got a bunch of free comic books and then they fucked it up. I'm like, you assholes. That's the best I ever got to working at a comic store. I have a I literally first comic book store. I walked, uh, opened up in my little hometown, um, walked in at 15, uh, started talking to the owner. We became friends. Then I started helping him sort books and stuff like that. Uh, he started paying me in books. Uh, then um, my, my now best friend, Mark, he came in and was working with him, with the other guy, because they became partners. Uh, met Mark through that. Um, then when they, when those guys split and went two different ways, um, I ended up hanging out with Mark and then I started working for him and I worked for him off and on for years. Now he works for me (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, he's my, he's my Thursday to go guy. He's the uh, guy who works for me. He does all my ordering and stuff. So I don't have to. So I, I do all the the money, the, the, (laughs) the putting shit away. He does prices magic cards and does all my ordering. So <laughs> that sounds like heaven, though, man. Hanging out in a comic store all day long. It, That's it, basically it, like I'll go to sleep tonight and I'll dream about that. And you get to wake up and go to that motherfucker. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, before it gets too late. Because um, <laughs> if not, I'll keep talking again. I'll do that again. I'll be like, <laughs> I do that to people at the shop all the time. We're like, oh, we got to go. Talk to you later. That's comic shop, talking, dude. Talking, yeah. talking. So. All right, man. It's been uh, an honor to talk to you. I've had a great time. Hey, you too, man. Um, I will. We'll get back together. And we'll talk again, and we'll talk comic books and movies and and music and all that. Anytime, any night of the week. If I'm not making a movie, I'm hanging out. Cool. So, yeah. um, I got uh, as long as I don't have an interview or I'm not at the movies, I will be. <laughs> I want to see Resident Evil, and then right after that, I get. I want to see movie. that. That looks so good. It, it was supposed to start. It starts to it started well, technically now yesterday for me, um, but our theater didn't have it listed until this morning. Oh, so I kept checking my phone and checking my phone to order uh-huh. tickets, and um, it kept saying not showing, not showing, not showing, not showing, and then all of a sudden this morning at like eleven o'clock, it's like we're having movies. I'm like crap. Now I got no time to to go. And so I took my, I looked at my kids. I'm like, we're going to go see Resident Evil tomorrow because it's the only time yeah. me and my two older boys, just my oldest son works. My other son works for me. And so to get us all together, so we'll go to all of us go to the movies at the same time is nearly impossible. And so we all three are going to go to the movies. <laughs> Dude, yeah, tell me what you think. I'm going to try to go this weekend too. That I saw the trailer yesterday. I was like, damn, that was... Not yet. I want to see that too. That was great. Um, was it? Well, oh, yeah. maybe I'll go see oh, yeah. a double feature this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, man. Uh, you guys, you have a all good night. And I right, will you too, dude. talk to you later. Anytime, brother. I'll talk cool. to you soon. Cool. Uh, probably right, get maybe a week or two or so. We'll get uh, another one of these up. Sweet. Do it. Cool. Have a good right, one, Later, man. brother. Later. All right. We'd like to thank Joe for appearing tonight on the podcast. Um, 
you can find, I will put more Joe's information up. And as always, the Group Therapy TV podcast is brought to you by RU Game, the best combo collectible shop in all of Pickle, Ohio, located at 124 North Sunset Drive, Pickle, Ohio, 45356. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Just look for Group Therapy. Uh, you, can find face, you can find RU Game on Facebook. Um, and remember, like and subscribe, comment, and all that fun stuff. And I will see you guys on the next episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. If not, I don't see you guys on Saturday morning serials. So take care and I will see you later. Bye. <laughs>